Hello, Les Raymond here with the Mindful Movement. Whether you are about to enjoy one of Sarah's beautiful meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to remind our community that the best way to support the Mindful Movement is to support the companies that make this happen. Sarah and I are very picky about the companies we choose to work with, and we are grateful to have the relationships we have and to share them with our listeners. You can learn more about our affiliates through our website by clicking on the Favorites tab. We are excited to have recently added Sunlighten as an affiliate. They make state-of-the-art infrared saunas, and their founder, Connie, came on for a recent interview if you would like to listen. Our Sunlighten sauna has been a family favorite for over a decade. Some of our most popular affiliates are the grounding mats from Ultimate Longevity, which we sleep on every night, and the Apollo Neuro, which Sarah is now wearing daily to help manage stress. When you support these brands, you in turn are supporting the mindful movement and helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thank you for joining me today for another episode. Today I'm speaking with Danny Vong Batimana. Danny is a real energizing, positive spirit. It was a pleasure to connect with him today. He's been doing some very noble work and I look forward to letting him share his journey with the audience. It's really a touching story through both pain and suffering. Danny has found a way to be a conduit for what gives him joy in life and use that, that art form of his to inspire young people, children all around the country to find a more positive outlook in life. So through dance, Danny has found a way to bring out more joy and fulfillment in the young people around the world. And I find that to be really special. I'm really grateful that he took the time to chat with me today. It was a pleasure speaking with him. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, sitting here with Danny Vong Batimana, a.k.a. Cousin Danny. Danny, thanks for joining the Mindful Movement podcast today. How are you? Oh, I'm well. Thank you for having me, Les. I'm just super stoked, a little nervous, but uh, just just ready. Means you're, means I'm excited. Great. So uh, you recently worked with Sarah actually through her like private hypnotherapy service about a month or so ago. And Sarah turned to me and said, hey, I worked with somebody today and I think you should talk to him. He's got a great story. He's doing really good work. And, you know, at the Mindful Movement, we try to empower folks to, to play a bigger role in their sense of well-being. And, you know, that could come in a lot of packages and a lot of different angles. And I thought you touched on some really important ones. The work you do seems um, just really inspiring. So maybe you could share with the audience uh, who Cousin Danny is and, and then maybe we'll, we'll dive a little deeper in how you got there and then just see where the conversation goes. 
Sure, yeah. Uh, well, first, thank you for having me. And this, the hypnotherapy session with Sarah happened because I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was listening to Luke's story and anything that Luke does, I'm going to do. So I you know, went through this journey with Sarah and it was incredible. And I was able to unpack a lot of stuff uh, with what I've been going through these past, you know, just my life. Cousin Danny came about uh, just a couple, maybe about five years ago. I'm a youth speaker and happiness creator. Uh, so I go around to elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools across the country, primarily in California, Southern California. I live here in Orange County, Irvine, California. And uh, I promote, or I try to spread happiness through my passion, which is dancing. I'm Filipino, so I grew up as a dancer. You're either a dancer, a singer, or you're a nurse. And I am a dancer. So uh, I danced all, you know, ever since I was a child. And we would go to these uh, family parties. Every Saturday, my mom and my, my dad would take us to these Filipino family parties with all my cousins to eat food, to sing karaoke. And in the backyard, uh, my older cousin taught us how to dance, the dance moves she learned on MTV. And then I would take these moves, I would practice them, you know, all day, Sunday, and then Monday, I'd go bright and early and teach all of my friends for the talent show. And so that was the beginning of me creating dance and having it in part of my life. It made me feel empowered on stage and uh, in school. Uh, fast forward, 25 years later, I became a high school teacher. I kind of failed in dance. <laughs> I was in LA and I kept hearing no's and no's and you're too short and you're not the right look. And a lot of it wasn't about the talent. And so I just got really discouraged in an early point. And so I said, well, what could I do? My friend said, you could become a high school teacher. And I said, really? <laughs> oh, that sounds kind of cool. You get paid, you know, $5,000 a month. I have medical insurance. And then uh, I get all these months off, you know, you get summer break, you got winter break, you got all these holidays and you got all these made up holidays that are days that the, the school makes up. So I was like, I'm in. I did that for eight years. I taught math and I, I never really knew how, like why I was supposed to be a teacher. You know, you, you have these things that come into your life and you, you realize that you'll never find out until, or you won't find out until you look back years later. Um, so at, I was at a crossroads in my eighth year. I was like, oh, I don't really want to continue teaching. I think I could do it um, for a long time because I was a really good teacher. I taught KC math, which was to get the 12th graders to pass the high school exit exam. So it was more about motivation than teaching. And it made sense to me. It was like, okay, well, you know, you taught, you taught for eight years and you, you, you tried to figure out what your, 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 what makes you happy. And, and that was dancing. So I combined both passions and I decided to become a youth speaker. I tell everybody in my, in my, in the assemblies and the presentations that I'm going to become their cousin, Danny and I'm gonna teach them dance moves. So nice. just like how my cousin taught me. So that's a quick story of how I became Cousin Danny. Everybody knows me as cousin. So I have a question. You mentioned MTV. So I grew up on MTV. How, how old are you? What era of MTV are we talking about? 45. Okay, we're the same age. Yeah. I turned 45 oh, okay. in a couple of months. Okay, so oh. like back when MTV showed music videos and it was like everything, I mean, that was like what you put on when you got home from school. Yeah, yeah. Happiness creator. That's cool. And you and it's right in your your website is happinessisnow.org. When you go mm -hmm. on that web page, it mm -hmm. you could just see right away like you are making a difference in the lives of children. 
I mean, mm. it's, it's very apparent. And I, you know, mm. I think back of going to assemblies when I was little, and in some ways, like assemblies were awesome because it was like a break from the norm. Like you would get out of class to go to an assembly. Mm-hmm. But usually like, it's not like the adults running the show were, mm-hmm. were doing that to make our lives. Like, I mean, granted, the teachers always have good intentions, but it's not like it's what the kids necessarily wanted to do. We were just happy to not be in class. Mm-hmm. But what you're doing is, is very different, it seems. Um, I mean, you're really pulling kids uh, very far from, from the norm you know, of their routine. So you're basically a motivation speaker to children, but you're using dance as like the, the tool in the toolkit to, to reach them or to get them to maybe break out of, uh, you know, whatever's the mundane for them and mm-hmm. experience life in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, dancing... You know, I've learned that when you're at a young age, you are open, you are connected to source, to God, to universe, whatever you call it, want to call it. And we are just movers. We are connected. We move. And dancing is movement. And so I thought, huh. Uh, you know, I, I spoke to high schoolers very on in my career and then middle schoolers. So I was a speaker, you know, bona fide speaker. But then... Uh, an elementary school called me and said, hey, can you do an assembly for us? And I was like, what would I do? Uh, I'm a speaker, <laughs> like Tony Robbins. What would I do? And I thought, you know what? I need the money. I'm going to go. And I went there and I started to dance and teach them these dance moves. And they would follow me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of cool. And so I remembered like when I went to Tony Robbins' Unleash Your Power Within, he would get us doing 15 minutes of singing to the songs and jumping and connecting and dancing and I was just energized so I said all right let's uh, kind of put that in this presentation and right off the bat they connected and it was about creating that energy making them feel safe making them feel like they're playing you know and and, and for them to feel that safety and that connection right away then I was able to tell them the messaging that the school wanted me whether it was uh, you know stop bullying or don't do drugs or whatever they wanted you know state testing you give me a topic and I can get them to focus on that but I can only talk about that topic for about two minutes and then we go back to the dancing um yeah I I really didn't understand why I was why they were so connected until I figured out you know what it's because you're bringing joy you're bringing this energy and once you bring this energy and everybody's connected you can't stop it and so I thought, okay, this could be something because when I was in third grade and we had the dare officer come in for, you know, uh, don't do drugs, <laughs> I was definitely scared. You know, I did not do hard drugs uh, as an adult in, in, in entertainment because the, the police, police officer scared me. So I thought, what if I could go into a school and reverse that energy and that psychology and broaden this happiness? What kind of foundation could I provide for that student, uh, for that kid, so that when they grow up, they're like, you know what? I don't remember. Uh, what the this guy's name was, or uh, or what he said, but I remember he just said he just created this energy, and he was just so alive, and I want to do something like that. And so, uh, if I can get them early on, you know, as low as TK, the, the the principals are always like, "How long can you? How low can you go with grades?" And I'm like, "How long can you? I, sixty minutes. Give me sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the I'm one of the very few speakers in the world in the world, maybe." maybe the only one that can really hold their attention for 60 minutes and give a message. 
they do TK preschool all the way up to college, high school, 12th grade. It's fascinating. Like I've always felt kids are kind of our greatest teachers and there's a lot to learn from them. But Mm -hmm. even with like today's culture and the societal norms, like even as a kid, you start to to lose the real secrets to life as you conform to what like adults tell you to do and Mm -hmm. you're in their environments for their reasons and they, you know, doing what they think is best for you. But when, when you look at kids in like the raw form, like before that, before they're really heavily influenced by culture and you Mm -hmm. watch what they do, like they hold the, the secrets to life. I mean, they, they laugh, they play, they don't care what other people think about them. So they're mm-hmm. fairly inhibited and they, they sing and they dance. And like, we all mm-hmm. did that when we were little and it was, it was, you know, we didn't have the, the self judgments and the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the insecurities that make us like hold back from being childish. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, like I teach movement and I know, mm-hmm kind of the fountain of the youth in the movement world is like, watch what the kid does. They spend a lot of time flopping around on the floor or whatever. And then like we do that as adults and a lot of good things happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all have like that childish kid in us that wants mm-hmm. to sing and dance, but man, adults just like, we just have a tendency to like trample on this, on, on, you know, that childish <laughs> activity at a way yeah. too young age to the point where when mm-hmm. you're in height, like my guess and you could talk about this, like when you're working with a high school student, like there's so many pressures and maybe middle school too, like they don't, they don't feel comfortable doing that in front of their peers, like a elementary school kid, mm-hmm. because somewhere in that time frame in life, like we start to look around and realize people are looking at us and start self-judging and such. Um, I mean, do you see a difference from Absolutely. the different age groups of how receptive they are? I, I see it at the age groups. I see it with the demographics. I see it in the states that I go to. It, doing this for going on, finishing my 10th year, going on to my 11th, I've learned so much in how to engage people. Uh, so what my main job there is to connect them at first. When I come on, I, I dance. Like right away, I dance. And they're like, oh, this guy, is a, he's a dancer. He's kind of cool. And then I tell my story talk about my mom uh, and just how funny and crazy she is, you know, being Filipino, (laughs) Filipino mom, she's kind of loud. And so I get them to laugh and connect with me. And then if I can build an energy uh, and make them feel comfortable in the beginning, then the hard part of vulnerability and teaching them a dance, which really isn't about teaching them dance, it's about how comfortable are they within themselves it's a gauge you know there's going to be kids or students that are going to do it and there's going to be kids that are definitely not going to do it and so I have to just be mindful that you know what if the person is just standing up and just staring at me then that's how what comfortable how comfortable they feel if there's a, a kid that's like totally dancing all right I got him on my side but it's about changing the energy in the room if I could change the energy in the room then I could do anything I could do anything. And the funny thing is that this presentation is not, is, is, yes, it's for the students, but I was a teacher. I was in the classroom for eight years. I understand, and especially this pandemic, I don't understand how, 
how teachers got through teaching on Zoom. I just can't wrap my head around it because I, I joke around that I would teach my math class if I were to teach now. I would teach my math class on Zoom. And then when I would <laughs> tell people, you know, oh, the end of class, thank you guys for coming. I would cry in the corner because this is, there was no connection. I, I've done presentations where the cameras are off. And so I understand that everybody needs hope and they need the, to be re-energized. And so I actually um, bring them up on stage because I want them to model what going through fear looks like. And a lot of them are fearful. Some of them, some of them run out of the gym. And uh, I, I just tell the kids, look, I never force anybody to go up there. But I'm, I know that you guys are fearful, that they're up here. The teachers are fearful. They have this, this feeling in their gut that they're scared. And I just say, you know what? I'm excited, which is the same feeling because I know what's about to, about to happen. You just got to trust your cousin. Once you trust your cousin and pretend you're in third grade, magic magic is going to happen the source is going to enter the room and you're going to tap back into just this love and this positive positive energy that i use every day um but it takes me i have to use my energy and i have to get their energy up because if i don't do that then it's going to be a long long day <laughs> so that's interesting so like you're basically sensing like the the general field of the room and the energy mm -hmm. and kind of mm -hmm. feeding off that and trying to essentially like raise that collective frequency that everybody's submerged in absolutely i'm trying to, i'm trying to raise the frequency and the energy and get people out of their heads and just get them into the, the now the present moment and connected with me follow me look at me don't look out there connect you know yeah, and I always say, be a third grade, be a third grader, be a third grader. You're right now you're in elementary school. What did you do in elementary school? It's interesting to say, get in the present moment. Yeah. I mean, when you're in the process of, of dancing, I assume I don't do a lot of dancing. I'll do a little bit. Like uh -huh. it sounds funny. This might actually be a little embarrassing, but my daughter who is basically an adult now will go food shopping together sometimes. And they always have like kind of fun music on. And for some, we like, we love food, like our lives, food is such a centerpiece of, of all the things we do. And um, we'll go food shopping and we kind of dance to the music in the aisles. Oh yeah. Like I know people look at me like crazy and there's part of me that's like, feels proud. Like, yeah, I'm the guy willing to dance with my daughter in a grocery store. <laughs> yeah. You got a problem with that? Good. You're just it, jealous. It, <laughs> it, it is amazing. I, I, I'm the same way. I'll go to Whole Foods. I put my headset like my AirPod, AirPods on, I'll put on a song and I'm actually dancing down the aisles, choreographing. And you know what? Um, I don't even know if people are watching or not, but I know if somebody takes a look, they're like, what is going on there? I'm just enjoying this experience. Like I, I just, for me, movement is what gets me into flow. Like, just like how people write you know, get them into flow, how people sing, get some music, create music. It's like yeah. what gets you into your flow state and continue to do that every day as much as possible. Uh, and my flow state is just, is just moving. Yeah, you know, I think a flow state, I, I just think of that intense sense of, of being present. And, you know, we talk about meditation a lot in this channel and mm -hmm. all it really is, you know, it's a task, you know, it's a practice that allows that sense of presence to to emerge essentially by focusing on your breath but there's all these other activities and i guess dancing's one of them that it's really hard to be 
somewhere else and there at the same time. So like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it could be surfing, it could be chopping wood or, you know, anything that like your attention needs to be on the thing that you're, the task you're doing right now in that moment. And it's mm -hmm. real hard to be in your head, like depressed about something that's happened in the past or worrying or anxious about something that might be around the corner at the same time it's like a mm -hmm. it's like a portal to to right now where there's generally no real problem like if you're i mean mm -hmm. there might be exceptions but if you're really focused on being here right now there's usually not any problems in this moment this very moment and obviously you know and there mm -hmm. are extreme cases where that might not play but in general uh so mm -hmm. any and there's any tool that could get you to tap into that is is just fantastic and luckily mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of tools we have to choose from mm -hmm. but there's something about dancing like and I, I know as an adult it's um you know i would guess that most adults never dance you know but it's something that all those guys that, or girls that never dance now there was a time where they wouldn't have thought twice. Like you never see a two-year-old where a song comes on that's like unwilling. So somewhere, somewhere along the way, we just we just lose that. So yeah. what kind of feedback do you get from the kids themselves? Like, do they come, I assume you get approached after the fact sometimes yeah. with stories or whatever of what it's oh, done for them. Gosh. Are there any that uh. like stand out? Yes. Uh, so I think, I think when you see the website and you talk to me, you're thinking happiness, happiness, positivity, but um, the kids, I'm going to go to the kids, but I'm going to go to why, what I recently found out why I'm doing this work. So my father, um, before the pandemic, one year before 2019, January, um, was murdered uh, by his roommate in, his, in, our, in our house that we bought. And uh, my dad ran a halfway house because uh, he had nobody else to live there. So, and he always wanted to help people. He uh, went to prison for about five years and was a really horrible man before. <laughs> He's like mean, abusive. Prison changed him. I don't know how he survived, to be honest with you. He's only five foot like 411 but he, he has a big personality and i just i knew he found god um because i felt like um sorry i found like pictures of jesus in the bible in his room when um, i was cleaning it out so i knew he'd become a better man so after he he, he passed away that's when my spiritual journey began. You know, I tried to, I tried to connect back with him. So I would do like psychedelics. I went to uh, Rhythmia to do ayahuasca and to learn how to meditate with Joe Dispenza. I just tried everything to connect. And um, it's just been such a beautiful journey because now I'm connected to, to the source that's always watching me, that's always in me, um, guiding me. And all I have to do is trust it. So what I found out in a recent journey, I'm not going to say what the type of journey, that the reason why I do my work is 
it's it's really simple like you said life's life <laughs> children are simple life life is pretty simple if you really listen my purpose and why i do these presentations for the kids is because i am trying to heal trauma that i had when i was a child i it was in the closet i was a, a gay kid that uh, in the 90s and trying to navigate through that and didn't, didn't tell anybody and felt unworthy and unhappy and just not uh, feel good about myself and so i think right now it gives me a chance for my inner child to play 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 and and feel and dance and and open and i'm 45 and i just feel like so free um, and connected with them and i think when i'm on stage i get back to like oh here's you know 12 year old danny back living the the, the childhood that he always wanted uh, or in elementary school he he played but did he really play and i just want and on the outside, I just want to make sure that, you know, that the kids understand that uh, there's going to be stuff that happens in their lives. Um, we just have these journeys. It's called the darkness. And, and for, for you to go through this hard time, especially the pandemic, there is a light at the end of the road. There's a, there's a light there that I, I picture that I, I try to describe for them like it's not you can't see it you could just feel it some of us feel it some of us see it but there is a light there and once you can get through all this darkness man the love on the other side is so immense you you there are times i'm on stage and i'm just crying and the kids like well, don't cry don't be sad i'm like you know what I'm, I'm crying because i'm just so grateful and i'm so happy i just don't know what to do with this love i just don't know what to do i'm just i'm just so happy i don't know what energy is here the kids you know when they're older and i check the demographics middle school high school they've lost people and so i've uh, i do this solo dance unchoreographed to teen heaven and i tell them that this is dedicated to our angels that are protecting us if you lost somebody if you're going through something and i always think of my brother-in-law who recently passed and my dad and I do this beautiful dance where I'm connected to them and it and it's not beautiful less it is <laughs> it is I watched it it is not parts of it is but if you look at it it's me releasing trauma releasing trauma connecting flowing getting the energy in the room I don't know what it is but at that point I'm I'm taken over by the source or this energy and then when I wake up from this dream, I look out and I'm like, wow, I don't know what happened there, but I know that I'm going to get some <laughs> direct messages, emails. There's people crying. There's a line waiting to talk to me. Teachers are crying. Uh, it turned from happiness into grief all in a second. And from that point, I just let them know that, you know, life and happiness is just a part of the feelings that you're going to go that you feel this journey has to have our ups and downs and once we understand why we go through these hardships once we understand that the only way through them is to really feel them and go through them and once we can do that you're going to understand but you're just going to have to trust you will understand you'll look back you're like oh that's why i had to go through all of that because the stuff that's uh planned for you i truly believe it's planned for you you won't receive until you're ready. And so <laughs> uh, I, I believe I'm in the time where I'm working through a lot of stuff. And I think that, you, you know, Sarah, during the, the therapy, 
uh, I was able to connect so fast because I truly am doing work on myself every day and, and seeing how I could make my life better, but not my life better, but how could I contribute back and make those kids, these kids right now in the schools, I could feel it. They're so depressed and disconnected. And I get messages all the time that, thank you for coming. I wasn't going to come here because I tried to commit suicide three days ago. And this kid, Toby from Texas, he shared a story with me about his stepdad abusing him. He tried to commit suicide five times. And I met him in Texas. And after he saw the presentation, he changed. And I said, what? What do you mean? I don't know. I just kind of changed. And so um, I'm coming out with a podcast called Becoming Cousin Danny. And Toby's my first guest. Youth people sharing their stories of, they're just sharing their stories. Oh, and nice. Hoping, so you, yeah. you're going to be hosting the kids that go to your events. Yes. To, for yes. them to share the impact on them. That's that's a great idea. Just like sharing stories because I feel like they just, other kids, they, they first of all, they want to share stories. They want to share what they're going through, but they also want other people to know that they're not alone. And I think that's the big biggest point of what why this is going on because I just, I really don't want people to feel that they're alone and that there is somebody that is going through something similar. If not, it's not the same. It's very similar. Everybody's experiences are similar, but there's somebody out there that knows what you're going through. So I'm really excited. I'm really, I'm really frightened. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Well, that's so powerful, man. What that is a, that's outstanding, man. You are definitely making the world a better place. Sounds like. So uh, rewind a little bit. You said that. So when you're on stage, you think you're actually like kind of tapping into what you need and you're kind of working through your own trauma and then I guess that energy is radiating off and the kids are kind of probably watching you do that and feeling something internally going on as they they watch what that's like I mean is that what you're applying like you're on there going through what you actually need like it's your (laughs) medicine uh look I'm on stage and I used to have an agenda you know you're on stage you do this joke you tell this story you do that used to be planned it's not anymore it's i'm mindful of there's an intuition or a voice that's telling me do this this is what they need okay um and the sure that's not just residual ayahuasca lingering Ah! (laughs) you know what it might be mother aya because (laughs) i'm connected to her she she's in me and i know my dad's here like the energy in there the angels they're just telling me, go for it. And when, when I hear, take your shoes off, I'm like, really? And sometimes it's an elementary school. Take your shoes off means do the, da- do the tears in heaven dance. That, that dance is so powerful. And I'm like, really, in elementary school, you want me to do the tears in heaven dance? All right. And I just go with it. And it's, I recently did it and half the half half the assembly was crying and I was like oh my gosh I felt so horrible like what did I just do this principal secretary is coming up like we need to get this man to stop talking you know I'm like oh my gosh what happened she didn't attend the assembly I had this group after just 30 kids they were supporting each other hugging each other they were crying somebody lost their dog three years ago somebody lost their parent last year somebody lost four family members and it was just 
I look around and I said, look, how many of you guys feel alone? All of them raised their hand. I said, look around. You're not, this is your tribe. Mm. This is your tribe. And this, this is like, these were sixth graders, fifth graders. And uh, the teachers afterward had my back. They said, this is the most beautiful thing we've ever experienced. And we're going to go ahead and go back to our classrooms and really talk about this. You know, we're a family in our classroom, so we have no problem talking about this. Made me feel better. But again, it got, it, it went back to my, you know, my childhood trauma where I was hiding and I was like, you know, somebody's attacking me. Oh no. So I, I have to work through that with, with Sarah next week. <laughs> I got attacked. Um, but yes, well, I'm working trauma. It's good to hear trauma. that you connected with Sarah well. She makes it easy. Sarah's, Sarah's a special lady. I'm a oh, little, yeah. bi- I'm a little biased, but uh, she's a special lady. <laughs> she is such. I'm trying. I'm, I'm talking to Toby to see when he turns 18 if, if he, you know, if I, if I could uh, have him do a session with Sarah and see what happens because he has not gotten therapy for any of the, the, the se- sexual abuse that he was, oh. or any of the trauma that he's been through. So I was like, okay, I think mm, let's let's connect you. Let's, so let's see what, what happens. What led you to to go uh, do the an ayahuasca journey was that to try to connect with your father you said it was after your yeah. father's passing mm-hmm. oh this is a this is a the divine story i was at a rave uh to 2019 no 2018 at a rave uh here in in pomona california the chain smokers you know edm uh music was on stage i was in the front and all of a sudden i i don't know who told me to go down and, and meditate or pray so i got on my knees and started to pray or meditate and this girl next to me uh, told, asked my husband, hey, is he, he okay? Is your husband, is that guy okay? And my husband was like, oh no, he's just meditating. He's fine because he knows. What, what was given in that meditation or in that prayer was you need to move your, your trip to Rhythmia from March to now, like tomorrow. You need a call tomorrow. You need to move it. So I went in January, 2019 through my seven day retreat to connect with my dad and figure out what all this was. And then two months later, March, 2019, as we all know, was it 2019? No, 2020, as we all know, uh, lockdown. So that, so you would have missed it basically. Oh yeah. I would have missed it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable? I'm always curious about those types of journeys. Like I've, um, I guess I, I definitely am fascinated by like what a plant, can do as a medicine. Uh, Can you explore that experience a little bit? Yeah. Uh, Rhythmia, I was listening to Dave Asprey, uh, his podcast, and he was uh, interviewing Gerald Gerard Powell, uh, who created Rhythmia, and he was telling about his story. And I was like, I always (laughs) look for signs, like, oh, it's a sign that I need to go. So I, I booked it. And it's seven days a retreat, uh, it was like a hundred people and four days, four days straight, you do full doses of ayahuasca with shamans. <laughs> Why four days straight? Is there uh, a process that's necessary that requires that or? I, I, there's different medicines that they choose to use and different shamans. Some like one day was more feminine energy. One day was more masculine. There's a mixture of different, uh, plant medicines. So they just tried different things because some some of us uh, go in there and we don't really get our experience until the last day, you know? So we have to keep doing these experiences. The first two days, um, it was beautiful. It was fine. It was like, oh, I felt love. That was great. 
but it wasn't earth shattering. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't get what I was looking for. And I think this is because I was really controlling. Like I wanted to control the outcome. The third night I said, you know what? You spend so much money. You're here. You need to just go, let go, trust, do it. So I, the, th the third one, I remember I woke up, I woke up. It was like, it turned into like, <laughs> it's, uh, oh my gosh, I don't want to, okay, I'm just going to say, it turned into like this spaceship. Uh, it was like the same room, but it was different. Like it was, everybody was like gray, gray. And I felt like I was a, a, a puppet, like uh, somebody was controlling my body. So every time I would hear music, they were like controlling my body. I was like, okay. And so the music was playing and I was like, kind of like dancing around. Every time I wasn't moving my body, something was. I could, I could stop it, but I was like, you know, just go with it. At some point, I got really upset. Like, are you using me just for your entertainment? <laughs> and I said, I'm here to learn who I am. Please tell me who I am. And that's the question that you're supposed to ask um, at that retreat. Tell me who I am. And then this beautiful song comes on. And Mother Aya enters my spirit, my body, and takes over. And I do this most this most beautiful contemporary, I'm not a contemporary dancer, modern dance in front of everybody. And I connected and she just showed me that I was love and that I am beautiful and that I matter and that. And so I danced with her for two hours. She would take me outside. I would ask her questions like, where's my father? She would go outside. I would, she would spin me around in a circle. I would get dizzy. I'm like, I'm getting dizzy. And she's like, cause you're not listening to me. I'm like, okay, sorry. So she would take me outside, point up to this, point up to the stars. Your father's right there. He's okay. I said, all right. And then he took, she took me to the fire and she said, all the things that are burdening you, let's go ahead and throw that in the fire and burn it. I went back inside. I continued to dance with her. And uh, it was the most beautiful thing because I remember every moment of that night, I, I was connected to the most intense love. I re was reconnected to my purpose of using my, my dancing ability to share my love. And um, I'm looking forward to her, for her to come back again. She came back another time when I did a, a psilocybin journey. And I was like, you're back, <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't experienced her, but I get glimpses of it on stage when I'm dancing. It's, I can remember like, okay, just let go. Stop thinking about it too much. Just do what she taught you. And so, yeah, that was the first part I was able to resolve. Just, it wasn't even about my father. I didn't even resolve the, you know, the, the fact that he was murdered. It was, all of it was self-love. Oh, so no, like altered of your altering of your, like your relationship with, with him. Cause I have heard Not people really. talk about like, that it's a, a tool to, to connect with those that have, you know, passed from this physical realm that we spend our, our time in. And, um, sure. but no, so mm -hmm. even though you, were you thinking of that going into and it just didn't show up? Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. Yes. 
And uh, looking back at it, it was like, yeah, that wasn't my problem. My problem at that point was the self-love and just kind of like the worthiness. Uh, I just didn't feel good about myself. And so I had to work on that first until we were to work on that. Nice. Yeah, Um, yeah, that stuff. Like, I'm very interested in the plant medicines, but the ayahuasca Mm -hmm. thing, it it definitely (laughs) definitely terrifies me. Partly, too, is like you always got to travel far. And like being far from home. Like I know, yeah. like if I'm on even on a vacation, but it's like somewhat remote and they're like the closest uh-huh. hospital is an hour away. There's always uh-huh. like a little bit of fear in the back of my mind. Like, don't do something stupid where you need to go to the hospital because there's you're not 10 minutes away, like at home. Like, <laughs> so like when I think about, um, you know, people taking trips to, to Peru for that or whatever, it's like, man, it seems like you're, uh, you know, you're a ways away from getting yeah. potential support. That always oh, freaks they're, they're- me out a little bit. It's it's a med- uh they have medical staff there. It's a medical so, staff. So, gotcha. Well, yeah, that's a. Uh, so and there's a hundred people. There, but... So there's a hundred people doing that at the same time together. Wow, that's got to be a interesting yeah. energy. So and, what about when folks are like where? Some of those folks, I assume, it doesn't go well. That's nope. got to be well, somewhat distracting. Or okay, so everybody has their own journey. They they tell us if you see somebody struggling, do not engage because you just don't know what they're going through. So some people are are uh, are going through traumatic events. They like relive maybe a birth where their you know, umbilical cord is wrapped around their neck or you know, uh, uh, trauma, physical abuse. Everybody's going through something different, but you just don't know what that is. And even if somebody is like, looks like they're unusually overactive and running around it's not your job to do anything it's the shaman's job to go and make sure that they're okay uh but you just don't know because when we do our group share <laughs> that same person we like oh it was so beautiful <laughs> like really because you were acting a little nuts I was over there That's and uh, the, i think people are scared of the purging like that you're supposed to like uh, you know throw up or uh, that's a purge you know people are like i don't want to do that uh, my purging was uh, crying and laughing. Crying, I cried a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've had there. a, I've had a, a purge that seemed mm-hmm. to be out the eyes. On one oh, out the eyes. Yeah, it was yeah. a uh-huh. like just uh, almost like projectile crying. I mean, I've yeah, mm-hmm. and it was uh, very strange. And it was also a, a it was a plan. I kind of, I was on a camping trip by myself, uh-huh. and. Um, took a little too much of like a cannabis concentrate, something that mm-hmm. I'm used to in like very low doses. Mm-hmm. And I think I like subconsciously took more cause I knew I needed something, but it was yeah. like, it was like very out of um, character for me. Like I'm pretty mm-hmm. um, calibrated, like measured with those things. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I went way against my normal routine. And it was mm-hmm. as if something inside knew it needed to get mm-hmm. out. And it mm-hmm. just, it just made me take more. And, um, mm-hmm. but you know, a couple hours later when it hit, I remember, mm-hmm. um, went through a very intense experience and there, I was very scared. And eventually I kind of, I was like, all right, what are you here to teach me? And I kind of gave mm-hmm. up, gave in. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that was a part of it. It was like, cry. It was like my, I wasn't actively crying, but tears were coming out in a very active way. It was very mm-hmm. strange. I'd never experienced it, but it led to a lot of really beautiful things, like mm-hmm. very profound experience for me. And some of the most 
you know, important few hours of my adult life in terms mm -hmm. of like working through personal shit and trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty, mm -hmm. it's pretty wild what, um, what a plant can offer you. It's yeah. I, I, and, you know, the U S is doing, they're in stage three trial right now, the FDA with psilocybin and ketamine and what this will do for people. I think it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, you know, it has the stigma, but it, it, well, ketamine is already approved. Um, I think it's psilocybin and MDMA with trauma. Cause I felt like at, in, in Rhythmia, I 20 years of therapy in what, seven days. Yeah, it's amazing. It's instantaneous. I came back, I was hugging trees, like <laughs> calling my mom. Like usually I have these triggers when I, when she calls or I hear her voice, it's like, Oh, it's her again. And now it's all changed. Perspective has changed. It, 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 you know, I used to do therapy and therapy is about talking, talking, but if you don't experience that, you could talk all day. You, in my, in my opinion, for me, I need to experience something to change me. I need my, my subconscious to change. I need my body to change. I need to, and you were talking about how we're, you're rigid or you have, you have, you have your, your ways. And, and if you go out of those norms, then it's like, uh Oh, <laughs> what's going to happen? Well, that's what needs to happen. If you want, if we want to feel or get what we want, we have to let go. We have to trust and let go and just let the universe or source do its thing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, stuff, it makes me wonder, I feel like, I mean, this is silly, but I just wonder if there was like a requirement, if you want to run for political office, you had to do a certain dose first. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, what, what does that look like after a few decades? Like, how does that change the landscape of humanity? Oh, I, I, I hear a lot of podcasts where like, everybody just needs to take, you know, psilocybin or magic mushrooms and we'll all be fine. Uh, maybe not everybody. If but if, <laughs> if if your ego plays such a role mm -hmm. that you that mm -hmm. you are driven to like a political mm. like uh, I don't know like power like a position of mm -hmm. power, mm -hmm. and you're gonna have influence on a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Something mm -hmm. that forces you to have some kind of sense of your connection to those people in a different way mm -hmm. than your ego has been telling you up until that mm -hmm. point to mm -hmm. give just to force a different perspective because that's one thing that happens like i've noticed that they you know you your sense your perspective of whatever is as you experience it is just different like you're getting a second opinion about something right mm -hmm. and we you know we get very we're habitual creatures we get very locked into just like we have the same habits of what we mm -hmm. how we spend our time we also have our habits of like how we think about certain things mm -hmm. so it's very easy like uh to think about something that maybe it's a legal thing that impacts how people other people and mm -hmm. we always think about it the same way and mm -hmm. if we hear a different voice arise from someone else we're we're guarded and you know we mm -hmm. have our barriers up and we poo-poo it and shut it mm -hmm. down and look for reasons to that why we're right but there's something about a plant that could just kind of shatter that and mm -hmm. you can see a different perspective and associate like a different sense with it where you don't have your barriers up you're not you're not just in this autopilot of shutting down anything that's different than what 
you've been. It's it's like you're open minded, and that leads to maybe a different sense of empathy or compassion or what if you know what is it like for these other people? I mm-hmm. I think of, I've been thinking this one way for so long. I don't mm-hmm. know, just a thought yeah. experiment. I mean, will never happen probably, <laughs> but um, it's just uh, just curious oh, can thought. I, can I add one thing about I, ayahuasca? Is that, uh, yeah, another man. thing that happened was. Uh, and I didn't go in there to, to resolve this. Uh, I, I drank heavily uh, after my dad's passing for, you know, every day uh, I would have this bottle of uh, absolute Mandarin. I would go to CVS, have one in the freezer, have one in my trunk of my car. And anytime I felt anxious, boom, absolute, you know. How much are we talking about? You're talking to a former drinker. Uh, I would say probably that bottle uh maybe i would go there every every other day yeah oh, every other okay. day yeah so it was like just straight i didn't drink any like there was no, i didn't make a drink i just you know just do the bottle so after my ayahuasca i, I stopped i'm a non-drinker I, i've been on vacation my first vacation i went came back from was uh, miami and i was like oh my gosh am i gonna drink didn't it's happen a party town yeah yeah, it didn't happen. I saw my friends drink and they're they're like, Are you gonna drink? I'm like, No, I just no, I'm gonna just hang I'm gonna hang out. And I was fine. I so what? I that's uh you're talking I, almost three years or I can't believe yeah, I can't believe that I'm a non-drinker. Like it it comes I see it. Sometimes I, I feel feel the trigger, like, oh drink. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no. And I just kinda laugh, like that's ridiculous. But now my I think that that addiction is now to Twizzlers. So <laughs> I might have to like, <laughs> I'm like, where's my Twizzlers at? <laughs> That's funny. It just changed. It changed. Yeah, we're all, at, we are all addicts. It's just, to what, you know, some habits are way healthier. Yeah. We're, we're, like the brain is so addicted to feeling whatever chemical makeup it's used to. So like if you're a runner and when you run, you're changing your chemical composition and mm-hmm. it feels a certain way. If you tell someone that runs like five, six days a week that they can't because of an injury, like they get angry. Like you're talking about mm. taking away someone's drugs. So like we're, <laughs> we're all addicts. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I know that craving. So I, I was a drinker for like 23 oh. years daily. Uh-huh. And um, there's times and I, I guess what is today? I'm coming up on. I might have just passed seven years, actually six years. Oh wow! Oh, did, didn't even notice that the day came. Yeah, Fe- uh, leap day, February 29th would have been, mm. I, I guess, six years. So, but there's times where somebody will will pour something, especially if it's something that, like, you know, I used to really treasure, uh, palate wise, whether it's like a a good whiskey or cognac mm-hmm. or red wine, and I'll get a craving, and it's so intense, but it's like. 20 or 30 seconds and then it like washes mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. where it's like i'm for a moment i'm like right back to that moment where like you're feeling what it's like when you're taking that first sip like my favorite sip of the day that first sip mm-hmm. and like the the 30 to 60 90 seconds afterwards where it's like your friend is with you you know your companion mm-hmm. is here and it's a warm sensation i didn't know when i was drinking why i was drinking and what i was soothing you know you don't mm-hmm. really you don't see that stuff till you stop. But um, but it's interesting how like we can be triggered through just seeing someone pour a glass and like 
in that moment, your body feels completely different than, you know, the mm-hmm. moment before you saw that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, a couple breaths, like <laughs> knowledge, like, oh, this is just, you know, the wave of that crave. And then uh, the wave passes. It's, it's wild. Yeah. That's great. So you quit drinking and it was, I guess, really sudden. And you didn't go into it with that expectation. You didn't go into that, you know, hoping for that or. Mm-mm. I didn't. I didn't. I just. I, yeah, I wasn't looking for that. It was in the back of my mind, like, oh, maybe I should stop drinking. But every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, man, but you feel so awful. Why do you want to feel that, that way the next day? You have stuff to do. Let's do it. Don't do it. Right. You know? So what do you notice uh, from quitting drinking? Like anything positive physically or mentally, oh, emotionally? Well, I thought that I was more fun. I thought I was life of the party. And I asked my husband, like, was I, am I more fun when I drink? And he goes, no, you're more obnoxious, actually. You're actually out of control. <laughs> and then I would ask my friends when I'm not drinking, like, hey, am I the same when I was, you know, before when I was drinking and now? They're like, you're absolutely the same. You're still a little nuts, you know? So that really, it wasn't that it made me more social. It just calmed the nerves down, you know? It just shut off any emotions or feelings that I was going through. But in terms of personality, no, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm much nicer now. I, I, you know, the ego doesn't get to play. It loves, you know, loves to be released. But we we find other ways. We've made a deal to find other ways to for us to cooperate together and, and play in, in in ways that's gonna uh, be more fun. Like we do other things together. <laughs> so you basically dance for a, a living and rely on like your body. And, oh gosh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm also, another interest of mine is like, you know, how we interact with the meat suit that we spend, you know, our time in and how adaptable it is. And I'm always intrigued by when people have a, I guess, when they really rely on the physical body to be there for them, whether it's for a sport or hobby or, you know, profession what are the some of the things they do like do you do you have a protocol or like a lifestyle that's really driven to support that so that because i'm assuming like getting up and dancing for an hour it's not something I, you know i do i i dance for a few seconds in the grocery store aisle kind of thing but um like that i would assume that's very physically demanding what are the some of the things that you do to to take care of yourself yeah, I kind of neglected this body for a long time. And then this year, <clears throat> stuff has come come about, like just knee issues, not anything broken uh, or torn, but there's just, it takes the body, my body, about 30 minutes to an hour just to warm up. And when the principals are like, oh, do you want to have like a break? I'm like, no, let's go directly into the second one. Because if you stop, if I stop, my body's going to be like, okay, then we're going to shut down. So I, I can generate a lot of force, but once it's done, then it's done. I can't go back to it. I have to do recovery time. And so I'm a biohacker. So I'll do, and there's, there's a lot, uh, I'll get massages uh, once in a while to kind of figure, I have a PT, um, I intermittent fast, I do peptides. Testosterone you do pepti- what, what kind of pepti- oh, for, for the listeners, we don't really talk. I, I kind of dibble into some biohacking yeah. stuff too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever really discussed peptides. For the listeners, peptides are basically mm. strings of amino acids. So if you think of when you eat a protein, it's made of 
uh, a collection of amino acids and uh, like smaller than a whole protein, but bigger than an amino acid will be a collection of amino acids that are called a peptide and they could be used uh, as, a, as a supplement or a medicine, either mm -hmm. you know, injected or taken orally depending upon, or even I think intranasally sometimes. Mm -hmm. what, what peptides do you rely on? Uh, for healing? Uh, BP, BPC-157, okay. uh, uh, TB5, TB-500, those are the healing ones uh, for my gut and just any ligaments or muscles. And do you uh, take those orally or do you inject them? Or subcutaneous, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah subcutaneous. So, uh, so you say for recovery, I, so do you time that around certain things or is it like just part of a daily routine? It's a daily routine uh, that I do. And it'll change if I'm if I'm sick. Then I'll I'll switch it to uh, uh, I forgot the name of the peptide, but there's another peptide that will go directly for the immune system. It, it just it depends would be on thymusin alpha one. Thymusin alpha one, yes. Yep. Thymusin alpha one is is one that I, that I would use. Uh, yeah, I played that. with some of those when I was uh, recovering from uh, Lyme disease, and I was uh -huh. kind of trying everything to see what works, uh -huh. and uh -huh. it was interesting. I didn't like putting a shot in my belly every day. Um, I'm, I'm glad I'm past that, but it was, it's interesting though. I mean, it was interesting, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's an interesting concept of peptide. It's like your body makes these things and they have an action. There's like an action potential in them. And, mm -hmm. uh, you're just kind of giving your body a little extra support in that direction. It's, uh, yeah. I think I'm, I'm interested to see how that develops and goes more mainstream over the next decade or so. I think it, it could really probably improve a lot of people's lives. So you take I, I uh, so, yeah. so you take some peptides. Yeah, I, you get, yeah, you get I like did. body work and PT. Do you yeah, hit the do. Do you hit the gym? Do you does it take like a certain amount oh, of lifting? Gym. <laughs> yes. So strength training. I don't I don't squat anymore. My PT was like, "Why you don't need to squat? You know, like the heavy barbell, like your back, like you got you got to protect that." So he's like, "You don't need to do that anymore." So I do strength training, and if I do like squats, it'll just be like you know, maybe the bar, maybe a couple of weights. But the thing that changed my life, and for all you listening out there, try this out. And then when I tell you, just don't be like, eh, that's not for me. I thought the same. The thing that changed my physical strength, my core, Pilates, the reformer machine. That machine was created to rehabilitate soldiers when they were injured in the war. This machine and getting the right person to teach you how to use it has got my core so strong. I did a DEXA scan, an x-ray that, that showed where the muscle was. I gained 3.5 pounds of muscle in my core in a month from this machine and peptides, but yes, <laughs> from that machine. But that I was like, I'm a dancer and I never knew like flexibility. I'm not really that flexible, but that machine got me flexible, got me strong in my core. My lower back is is no longer there uh, because I've gotten my core stronger. And so that along with, uh, I did a couple of uh, therapies of uh, stem cell therapy in, uh, in IVs. And oh, I'm wow. just, try just trying that out. And then uh, the way that I make those work is I listen to a Joe Dispenza <laughs> meditation <laughs> and we focus on where do you want these stem cells to like work? I'm like, my knees, go to my knees or help me with my sleep. And if you can, when you go into the subconscious like that and you meditate, you're talking to, you're going into the operating system. You can tell, teach your body, tell your body to do whatever you want it to do. You just got to yeah. go know how to do it.
Yeah, body's a powerful thing. You know, it's like the whole placebo effect. You know, mm-hmm. in modern medicine, they try to always try to rule it out. And it's like, that's the wrong question. Like, we should be grateful that it's there. How do we, uh, you know, how do we use it? How do we guide this a little bit more? Mm-hmm. We, we know it's real because they, they have to account for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it raises the question of like, can we have a greater say in how that works? And um, Absolutely. You know, I, I, I don't doubt that, you know, listening to Joe Dispenza and using some of those <laughs> tactics could have an impact. Uh, you know, you're like, why not? You know, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. So, so your main client base are schools, like elementary schools, middle schools, maybe some high schools. Anything mm-hmm. else? Do you do this like on a corporate level for companies to for morale boosts or team building or anything like that? Or I'm scared of adults. <laughs> <laughs> I was the in high school or at, when I was a high school teacher. My second year, I became the department chair for the math department. That was no, 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 no. Not no, a good no. fit for you. No, 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 no. Those ladies hated me. I just wanted to make sure everything, I wanted my materials. I just wanted my pens to be ordered and my folders. Like I wasn't trying to attack anybody. I just wanted to, the system to become more efficient. So that's why I ran. No, I would, no, it was, it was hard. So I think that was a little traumatic <laughs> than working with adults. Um, I'm going to say I, I don't do that, but you mentioning it, I would, I would love to. I think I could. Uh, I'm actually doing a district-wide first day meeting at the Walnut Valley Unified School District, which is my old school district. 2,000 employees, including the superintendent, everybody, business services, all the teachers, all the aides, everybody first day in a church. And they hired me for 10 minutes to do my thing and oh, uplift. Nice. Yeah, you so, said your old school district. The school district uh-huh. you, you taught in or the school district uh, you oh, went to as a student, as a kid? I went to as a, as a student, as a kid, oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, you're, so you're going so, to your home court. That's cool. Home court. They said in the church at 2,000, 2,000 people. I said, okay, oh, let's wow. do it. So oh, that um, sounds terrifying. <laughs> I, I know I could do it with adults. Um, maybe in the future things will come my way, but I don't, I don't promote or I don't plan this anymore. I don't, I used to like promote and do, you know, hire me here. I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't need to, it, it finds me the, the universe, the source, God, it just hands me stuff like and you and you emails. travel if you travel for it so if uh-huh. there's people that work yeah. in schools that are listening mm-hmm. that yeah. are interested you know, okay yeah. what's the farthest okay. you've traveled for for uh an event so recently i just came back from the texas uh student conference there was four there was a uh, four thousand students oh wow this is the largest in the, in the in the nation the student leaders did new mexico missouri recently up into canada Kelowna. New Jersey, uh, but uh, my friends who are speakers, they, they travel to all the states. Uh, I, and I used to get a little jealous and I, I used to be really jealous actually about that. Cause I'm like, I'm just as good as them. But what I've <laughs> learned is that uh, I'm just not needed there right now. I'm needed where I'm needed right now. I'm needed in these elementary schools. Cause I don't think any of my friends can do these elementary schools. Uh, it does seem like <laughs> a, a niche and it seems like uh yeah like that is that has got to be a unique skill set to be able to to get a crowd of kids and you know you bring up this point of like this last couple of years like mm-hmm. i don't think adults can really understand and may never will like 
what this experience is like for these kids where like the one thing that I always get hung up on is the whole covering of the faces while kids are developing and learning how to, you know, engage socially and bump up against other kids. And there's so much information. I remember listening to a book. Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, one of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books. And I think he was talking about, I might be botching this, but it was maybe like an FBI agent who was like a human lie detector. And he was talking about all the muscles of the face and all the, and you know, all these involuntary actions and they would mm -hmm. use it to like, see if somebody was you know telling the truth or something, you know, if this, if this muscle goes this direction, it's like a tell kind of thing. And it makes mm -hmm. me wonder how much we're communicating with each other that we really have no idea it's going on, but it's, it's probably really important communication that we've been doing for a long, long time. And like, what is it like for all these kids that don't gather that information? It makes me feel like it's a, like a crime against humanity. Like one day we're gonna look mm -hmm. back on this and the adults can be like, what did we do to these kids over mm -hmm. this? Like, this doesn't make sense. Scientifically, it doesn't seem to mm -hmm. make that much sense. And it's like, what are the long-term impacts and can we ever recover from that it, uh, mm -hmm. it freaks me out. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes me feel like um, ashamed to be a part of the, mm -hmm. you know, the system that is the collection of adults roaming this earth that think we mm -hmm. know what's best or whatever. But um, when really my, my, the kids know what's yeah. best. <laughs> my, know? my worst, my worst performance to date was when I had to wear, I was outside and I had to perform with the mask on. Oh, geez, I, had, yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't connect. I tried my best and I had, I had it on and they just, nothing. That was the day that I said, I'm gonna wear either a clear mask or I'm not doing it. Because you can't, you can't connect with me if you can't see my face. Um, you know, the kids are resilient too. I know that, you know, that it'll do some damage, but I know my nephew and I, what I've noticed is that you could put five masks on him. <laughs> he'll just play around. I think he'll, he'll be, he'll be fine. Uh, I, I think it's maybe with the older ones, like the ones that are transitioning from elementary to middle school. Oh Lord, those are the ones that I'm like worried about because that's the hardest part. You know, when you transition to middle school, it's terrifying. And not to not have, have these social skills, that's where the, the teachers are having problems are in those grades. Uh, yeah. Not to mention, socially. there's there's yeah. enough to be like scared about as a kid, you know, as, and it's yeah. like we're mm -hmm. we're adding to that. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's very it's sad, um, sad. So I got to say, Danny, cousin Danny, this is uh, it's great to know that there's people like you out there, man. It's, you know. When you see uh, the images of rooms full of young children being inspired <laughs> and um, and being childlike and being taught, you know, the, that that's a good thing. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really important. And I'm really honored to be a conduit for your message and help you get it out there. And thank you. You know, I wish you the, the greatest success with this journey. And for those that want to learn more, other than happinessisnow.org, yeah. is there any mm -hmm. other uh, place yeah. that they should look to find you? Yeah, uh, my Instagram is cousin Danny Live, and I'm uh, cousin Danny Live. I'm writing my book, becoming cousin Danny, and at the same time the podcast. So it's like 
everything's coming all at once. Uh, when does the yeah, podcast launch? Coming. Oh, my birthday, June thirtieth. Okay, with, and it's uh, called Becoming Cousin Danny. Cousin Danny, yeah, Becoming Cousin Danny. Yeah, and so uh, we'll see where this journey takes me. <laughs> Great, but, and uh, and hey, if you're ever yeah. <laughs> out doing um, one of your events in uh, mm-hmm. the Maryland area, then oh. uh, then touch base, and maybe oh, we'll do too. a follow up in person and in person studio. Yeah. And um, but I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for what you're doing, man. And thank you for taking the time today. Anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I just want to just say thank you to to you, Les, and and Sarah for the work that you do. Uh, I don't know how we got connected. I think about this, like how this happened, but it's just beautiful. And we're, we were supposed to meet and I'm, I'm just so grateful. And for those of you that are listening, uh, I hope you all have a great, wonderful day ahead and just keep, just keep moving forward. Just keep doing you, just keep doing you. See how you can uh, contribute to the goodness of the world. Nice. Thanks, Danny. And for the listeners out there, appreciate your listening. And uh, also hope you all have a great day. Thanks again for listening in today. I hope you found value in that conversation. I know I did. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave some feedback on your podcast player of choice. It is much appreciated. And if you have any questions about how to contact Danny or anything that was discussed today, send them my way or reach out to him directly. We'll do our best to get back to you. If you think you know someone that might benefit from this video, then please share it. And again, always grateful for your listening and look forward to another one.